From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. Hello, this is Linda. This is the final reminder from the Office of Inspector General of Social Security Administration. Your social security number has been suspended. We would request you to get back to us so that we can discuss about this case. Thanks you. Today, we are going to talk about those annoying calls we all get, often from vaguely familiar numbers or purportedly from scary government agencies, only to find an automated voice on the other end pitching a product or a scam. Even as a journalist who talks to people for a living, I mostly ignore phone calls now unless I can identify the caller. Many Americans have adopted the same approach because of the flood of robocalls we receive in the tens of billions each year. Congress is trying to do something about it. On December 4th, the House passed bipartisan legislation by New Jersey Democrat Frank Pallone to empower the phone companies and federal agencies to fight the robocallers. And a companion bill in the Senate by South Dakota Republican John Thune stands a good chance, raising the prospect of a rare bipartisan achievement in Congress. I have the CQ Roll Call reporter covering the issue here today, Catherine Tully McManus, and later I'll talk with Kevin Rupi, a partner at law firm Wiley Ryan who has long represented phone companies. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. So, Catherine, why did this unite members of the House so much? There were only three who opposed it. Well, this is an issue that members of Congress know that their constituents really understand. So if they can strike a victory on this issue and stem this outrageous flood of robocalls, this is a victory for them that... Uh, their constituents get and will be grateful for. Members themselves are also getting these robocalls on their own personal and professional cell phones. So what's the the bill do? What's Frank Pallone's law do? So the bill from Frank Pallone and Senator John Thune, it's a bipartisan compromise between a House and Senate bills that each pass their own chamber. The joint bill will require phone companies to verify that the phone numbers are real and will block robocalls without charging consumers any extra money. Right now, some phone companies will block some robocalls for you for a fee. Um, the measure also pushes the Justice Department to bring more criminal prosecutions against these robocallers and gives the Federal Communications Commission, which oversees this industry, um, more time and authority to investigate and punish robocallers. So what was the debate on the House floor? Did you hear any horror stories about uh, robocalls from the members? Well, lawmakers actually gave some personal testimony on the issue. Uh, Greg Walden had an especially interesting anecdote. We all get these calls. I got one about a year or so ago, Mr. Speaker, and it was out of Greece. I don't know anybody in Greece. It was an O2-something or other area code. I let it go to voicemail, and by golly, they left a message. A day later, I listened to it. It was the Vice President of the United States aboard Air Force Two trying to reach me. Sometimes you should answer those calls. With this legislation, hopefully we'll know with certainty you can answer a call like that, and it'll be somebody that's trying to reach you for real. Gotcha. So what's the Senate outlook? 
The Senate outlook is looking good. Uh, Thune told reporters earlier this week that the Senate plans to vote on the bill, which has come after months of bipartisan negotiations, probably next week, um, which is coming up to the holiday end of year recess. uh, But they definitely are trying to get this done before then. Um, There is one wild card in the Senate. Um, he's known for being a wild card. That's Senator Rand Paul, a Republican of Kentucky. He voted against the earlier Senate bill, and we are still not sure <laughs> how he will right. vote. The three Republicans in the House, or two Republicans and an independent in the House who voted against it, uh, against the grain, clearly against the grain, were the libertarian sorts who apparently think anything should go? Yeah, they were concerned, at least one who... I talked to Thomas Massey. He had previously opposed robocall legislation because he didn't want to give the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, too much authority. He thought that would be uh, giving them too much bandwidth to control what is happening on our phones. And it was uh, Justin Amash, well-known libertarian independent from Michigan, was another opposed. And uh, Andy Biggs, is that right? Yes. Okay. So what's the outlook for President Trump, assuming this gets to his desk? Is he going to sign it? I have pretty much stopped making predictions on what (laughs) President Trump will or won't do a long time ago. But this is a bipartisan bill on an issue that all Americans care about. And he is running for re-election. And having John Thune be one of the leaders on this bill, he's an ally of President Trump. He's a leader in the Senate. Uh, I think that would go a long way in convincing the president that this is something to put a signature on. And we know he's on his phone a lot. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Catherine, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're listening to CQ on Congress. You can subscribe at your favorite podcast app. I'm going to turn now to Kevin Rupi, a partner at law firm Wiley Ryan and an advocate for the phone companies. Kevin, it wasn't that long ago, 2003, in fact, that Congress created the National Do Not Call Registry as a way of preventing marketers from harassing Americans by phone. And that seemed to work for a while. Why? What stopped? Why isn't it now? So a couple things. Um, Number one, I would say that the the Do Not Call list actually, it's effective. It works um, because... What that governs are legal telemarketers and the manner in which they can contact consumers. The problem has been illegal actors who basically flout the law, ignore the do not call list, uh, and they range from you know entities that are selling semi-valid products but just ignoring the DNC to outright scammers, criminals who mm, okay. are trying to dupe consumers. So the the do not call list worked in that it it required reputable companies who were trying to sell products to stop calling you if you put your your number on that list. Um, but there were some exceptions. Absolutely. Uh, charities can call you. Politicians can still call you. Uh, businesses with whom you have a pre-existing relationship can call you. Debt collectors can call you. Exactly right. But uh, for the most part, the robocall problem is scammers and unscrupulous companies marketing. That is a very fair assessment. And, you know, one of the things that changed is that with the growth of the internet and the interconnection between the internet and the phone network, 
the ability to generate massive volumes of calls at a very cheap cost from anywhere on the planet heightened the, the volume of these calls and the ease with which bad actors could make these calls. And that's why in the last few years, we've seen this avalanche. Okay. So do you think uh, this bill that the House just passed will solve the problem? This is a very vexing problem. Um, and, you know, in my mind, it's never going to be 100% solved. But I do have to say that, that this bill is an incredibly substantive bill. And I think there are many things that Congress has done that will be quite effective in this battle. What I think uh, uh, the consumer wants, uh, the people who are annoyed by these robocalls, is the phone companies to not let them go through, not have their phone ring. Is that going to happen? Well, what this is going to do is it's going to strengthen that caller ID. And, you know, one of the issues that's really important on addressing illegal robocalls, it's an ecosystem. So you have voice providers, you have call originators, and you also have this growing universe of analytics providers that will either block or label a call based on a consumer's desires. Do you expect that the phone companies will offer an opt-in service so I can say, hey, if you identify a robocall, uh, block it. Don't, don't let it get through. They already are. So as an example, uh, T-Mobile has partnered with an analytics company called First Orion, and they will label or block calls. Uh, AT&T has partnered with an analytics company called Haya. They label or block calls. Uh, Verizon has partnered with a company called TNS that labels and blocks calls. Really, the focus here is on ridding the network of those illegal, scammy, and, you know, at times criminal calls. I mean, are there any potential complications here? I mean, you said there are some legitimate robocalls. We've heard examples of, you know, a medical provider trying to reach a, a um, someone who uh, has sought service at a doctor's office or something. Um, does this threaten those calls? Well, so to that very point, and that is a crucial point, uh, because at the end of the day, neither the voice providers or the analytics providers want to inappropriately label or block a valid call, okay? So one of the things that the bill does, it includes a provision whereby a, a voice provider needs to offer a mechanism to the extent it's going to block or label calls. They need to offer a feedback mechanism whereby a legitimate call originator can go to them and say, look, you're inappropriately labeling my calls. You're, you're inappropriately blocking my calls. And through that remediation system, that, that problem can be resolved. And how are they identifying a robocall now? I mean, what are the, the characteristics that they see in these calls? Sure. That's, that's a great question. And you know, one of the fascinating things about this is that every analytics provider, as well as voice providers, um, have different approaches for how they analyze these calls. Because depending on where they sit in the network, they're going to have access to different information. So, you know, some of the things they'll look at, they'll look at call volumes, they'll look at um, duration of calls. So if they see a single caller ID number that is making millions of calls and less than 1% of them are, you know, terminating and resulting in a call for five minutes, 
that's likely a scammy call. So the technology has enabled these calls. It's also enabling us to fight them. Exactly. And, and you know, some of these analytics providers are embedded in the network and they can see call volumes. They, if, if somebody spoofs your number, Sean, they'll see that you make maybe five calls a day, 10 calls a day, but they'll see if all of a sudden somebody spoofs your number and you're making a million calls a day mm-hmm. uh, and they'll, they'll block that. And are there other things in the bill that you think are important here that will, uh, will help combat this problem? Provisions that I think are incredibly helpful uh, that will beef up enforcement against illegal robocallers, because that's one of the things that I think is crucial in this battle. That's the FCC and the FTC, the Federal Communications Commission, Federal Trade Commission. So the bill, uh, in terms of enforcement, touches the FCC and FTC have generally been the principal enforcers for robocalls. They have civil authority. They can't put people in jail. This includes provisions that kind of rope in DOJ, so which has criminal enforcement authority. Um, the other thing that I think is really fascinating in this bill is it creates mechanisms whereby industry, through traceback consortiums, a traceback consortium which can locate the origin of these calls, can sh- better share information with the FCC. Uh, and it includes mechanisms whereby a quote-unquote private entity can share information with the FCC on, look, illegal robocall, go do something. Right. Now, anyone who's received these calls, most of us, uh, knows that a lot of them are originating overseas. Uh, that seems to pose, would pose a problem, I would think, for law enforcement. Maybe yes, maybe no. So, indeed, a lot of these calls do originate from overseas. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there are provisions in the bill. The thing about an overseas call is it has to enter the domestic network somewhere, okay? Um, and generally, those are what are called gateway providers that bring these calls into the United States. The, the, the bill, you know, looks at that. And the bill, you know, looks at imposing certain obligations on those gateway providers in terms of record retention uh, and registration. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Well, thank you for having me, Sean. And thank you for listening. I'm Sean Zeller. The producer of the show was Michaela Rodriguez. CQ on Congress is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. We'll see you next week.